Welcome to episode 135. Do you feel like the world controls you or that you control your world? If you experience stress on a regular basis, have arguments with your partner, your kids, beat yourself up for poor food choices or simply hate your job, then you may be in a situation that you feel stuck in. A situation where the environment or your world is controlling you. And that circumstance produces an internal cocktail of chaos in your organs and your blood that leads to all sorts of health complications. If you relate to anything I've just said, then stick around because we're going to introduce you to the idea that your internal world can actually be controlled and governed using your heart muscle. Because as you'll learn, it is far more than just a pump. If you want to reduce your stress and experience more consistent appreciation and contentment in your day-to-day life without going on a 10-day kumbaya retreat, (laughs) then buckle up because this one's a good one. Let's dive into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? Glad to have you here on the show with me today. It's my mission to coach 250 individuals, 250 men and women to get control of their weight and live their healthiest life before the end of December 2021. Today, we're talking about a very interesting topic, something that I dare say you have never heard about and neither had I until I learned it at the Healing Chronic Stress and Disease Summit, which today's speaker and I were both guests on. So I'd like to introduce you to Howard Martin, who is the Executive Vice President and Spokesman of HeartMath and has been championing the vision and mission for the past 25 plus years. He helps to illuminate the intelligence of the heart, describing how we can access it to create positive and sustainable change, which right now might sound a little airy-fairy, but stick around because we're going to unpack this and what it means tangibly in your life. Howard is the co-author of the highly acclaimed book, The Heart Math Solution, and contributing author of Heart Intelligence. As well, he helped to co-create The Heart Math Experience, a new online video program for The Heart Math team. Well, I just said heart math a lot just there. <laughs> Howard has been featured on countless TV and radio interviews, is a TEDx speaker, as well as being a leading expert on heart intelligence in numerous documentaries. He's also a member of the Transformational Leadership Council, an organization founded by author Jack Canfield, and the Evolutionary Leaders, a group of select global visionaries founded by the man Deepak Chopra. So to introduce you to this radically different approach to health, let's get into it. Welcome to the show, Howard. How are you doing? Hey, Manny. Thank you very much for having me. It's good to be with you and for all the folks listening wherever you are around the world right now. I hope that our conversation that uh, goes on between Manny and I leaves you with something that you can um, see valuable in your life and your approach to wellness and health. Absolutely. We're so grateful to have you here. And man, I love your accent. Well, it's a southern accent, you know, and uh, I've been in California here where HeartMath is located for over 30 years now, but the accent sort of stuck around. Uh, because it's got that slow southern accent, people don't think I'm that smart. I can sneak up on them. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Whereabouts did you grow up? In Virginia and North Carolina. Yeah, that would make perfect sense. <laughs> and I tell this fun story where one time I was in London speaking, and the Londoners would pick on me by my accent, you know. And so 
I'm on stage and I say to them, this audience of probably 500 people, I said, look, you know, you're going to have a hard time with my accent. I know that most of you are already judging me because you don't think I speak proper English. I said, but let me tell you what happens. <laughs> Sometimes I go in a store somewhere and I'm talking to a person in the store and they'll look at me and they'll go, are you from England? <laughs> so, they, so there you have it, English. <laughs> All right, so... I guess after your introduction, at this point, everybody's wondering what exactly heart math exactly is. So maybe we should start there. What is heart math? Well, it's a system uh, of tools, techniques, and technology, really interesting methods and approaches to understanding life and, and health and a lot of other things. It's all underpinned with scientific research. Um, there are two organizations, HeartMath Inc., who I'm employed by, which is our for-profit arm, and then we have the HeartMath Institute, our nonprofit. Together, we serve people all around the world in a variety of societal sectors, and we've been doing this for a long time now, like over 30 years. And it's nice for me to be able to say we have a rather large footprint in the world now as a result of that. Slow, steady building over time and consistency in what we've been doing has led to millions of followers that we have around the world. And so it's been quite a ride for me. I've been here since its inception now, you know, a very long time. It's been interesting to watch it unfold. And, you know, in relation to health, back when we started this over 30 years ago, alternative health, so to speak, was in its infancy. You know, it was looked at as woo-woo or something new age. And that was about it, right? <laughs> and, and over time, you know, that began to change. And we watched that progression grow. Today, we work in lots of mainstream health organizations. You know, hospitals and training their staff is one of our biggest training markets. We also uh, serve the independent health professionals, the psychologists, the you know, the, the all those different ones that have independent practices. And we have like 40,000 of those people in our database now that use HeartMath. So, you know, a lot of health wow. professionals have come to HeartMath over these years. But 30 years ago, we were we were pioneers. You know, the people weren't talking to us from mainstream healthcare, but today a lot of them do. Yeah, absolutely. My um, initial introduction to this concept uh, before the Healing Chronic Stress and Disease Summit was reading the book M-Braining. Are you familiar with that book? Nope, not. Yeah, so it basically talks about how the, the gut uh, the brain and the heart are the three sort of brains of the body and they right. interact. But but from the heart math perspective, what is the role of the heart in the body? Well, what's interesting, Maddie, is that, you know, most people think of the heart just as a cardiovascular organ. It's pumping blood. And, yeah, that's its primary function. But what we discovered and what researchers around the world were kind of onto in little pieces, sort of scattered throughout the research literature, is that the heart was more. As it turns out, the heart is actually an information processing center in the body. It sends commands to the brain and throughout the entire system, and the information coming from the heart to the body is critical. To, to how we function biologically. You mentioned, you know, the gut brain and the, and the brain and the head. Well, the, the heart has a brain, you know. Uh, next to the brain, it's the most sophisticated part of the nervous system that we have. It's studied through a, a medical field called neurocardiology, studying this nervous system. And one of the ways the heart communicates with us is through this nervous system, uh, through a nerve pathway that starts in the heart, but then goes up into the brain. It goes this way, not this way. It goes into the lower brain centers. Uh, the medulla then goes into the limbic system, which is where a lot of our emotional processing uh, takes place, but then terminates all the way in the neocortex, highest perceptual centers of the brain, receiving important critical information from the heart. 
Uh, it communicates in other ways as well, but the big discovery, I guess, the simplest way of saying it, which is what I said a minute ago, was that it's an information processing center. It's not just pumping blood. It's important in many different ways. And rhythmically, we know that the heart is the strongest rhythm maker in the body. The beating heart is a rhythm maker. And sort of all the body systems really are synchronizing to changes occurring in the rhythmic beating pattern of the heart. And everything from digestion to respiration, hormonal responses, immune system responses, brain function, all of those different systems in the body are actually dancing to the rhythmic tune of the heart. So it's amazing what the heart is doing beyond just being the slavish pump uh, that's pumping blood throughout our system. You really brought up some memories for me of working in the hospital and sort of the epiphany that I had that Western medicine often looks at the body as a, just a series of isolated systems. And, and that's kind of what most people think of the heart as, right, is it's just a pump. But all systems are inherently integrated with one another inside the body. That's right. And the heart being that master rhythm maker plays a, a critical role in, in the integration and harmony or disharmony of those systems. And I remember when we sort of first discovered that the, the gut-brain connection, right, and sort of diving yeah. into nutrition, I really started to learn that there's more messages going from the gut to the brain than there is the brain, you know, down to the gut. Yeah. And so is that a similar scenario for the heart? By far. The heart is sending a lot more information to the brain than it ever gets from the brain. You know, the gut brain is a, is a little bundle of nerves right in your solar plexus. So there's a nervous system there as well, but it's not as sophisticated as the one in the heart. It's much more primitive. And most of the information that the gut brain sends goes to just about up into the medulla. It's, inst- it's just the, the basic raw instinct type of information. Whereas the heart information, as I mentioned earlier, goes all the way into the highest perceptual centers of the brain. So there's a difference. To me, even the gut brain works better when it's under the command of the heart, when it's in synchronized with the heart, letting it, letting it synchronize to the heart. Then the gut brain does a better job. You know? Yeah, well, can you dive into that? I would love to know how you would align those, yeah, when you say when they're in alignment. Yeah, well, that's part of what heart math is. I mentioned it's all underpinned with science, and so far we've been talking about a little science. Um, <laughs> but really what we're about is about tools and techniques to help, you know, basically harness and direct the power of the heart, both physically, emotionally, and spiritually, in order to create things like greater wellness, more fulfillment in our life, higher states of performance, um, different types of consciousness. All that is part of what we do. And to do that, we develop training. This consists of techniques and methods I mentioned earlier and concepts and things. And we employ that in a variety of ways through training programs that we do in all kinds of societal sectors and for individuals just interested in their personal growth. And so we do a lot of training. Uh, We have the science underpinning that. We learned how to decode the heart's communication through looking at something actually created by Australians originally called heart rate variability analysis. So by looking at heart rate variability analysis, we decode the heart's communication. And to allow people to see that for themselves, we even took our science and developed technology with it that people use to improve the quality of signals taking place between the heart and brain and the rest of the body. So the techniques we have at a physiological level do align the various systems. They do bring them into a a more aligned state. And just to confuse your listeners even more right now, I'll have to give them another term. Uh, that state is actually called coherence. 
there's a medical term. So that's the alignment of all of the systems? Yeah. The medical term for it is psychophysiological coherence. But what it means is that, you know, all the body systems are synchronized to the rhythmic beating pattern of the heart. And when that happens, our, our body begins to work more efficiently. Less energy is being wasted. You know, things are working together, not separately, right? And it's a state that's um, it's a common balance state. It's not just a sleepy time state. It's very aware. You're very aware of your surroundings, what you're doing, what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you're perceiving about others. All that is heightened in this state. Um, and it's a, it's a state that you trigger by experiencing a sustained, uplifting, regenerative emotions. And once you get in the coherent state, those type of emotional qualities flow more. They're easier to get to when you're in the coherent state. So coherence is a, is a great way for us to have translated this understanding of heart from something mostly looked at as philosophical or spiritual into something very practical. So increasing coherence has a lot of benefits, health benefits and performance benefits. And because of that, we train in a variety of really conservative societal sectors. Uh, but we do it under the banner of we're going to increase the coherence of the people that we're training. And so we train in like the military, police departments. And we train like, for example, in the Netherlands, we train over 50,000 police officers in heart math. Because yeah, that's they want amazing. them to have less stress, they want them to have more awareness, more presence, more ability to perceive into the various policing situations they enter into. So we're able to go into deep into mainstream society with a heart-based approach. And where normally heart would be looked at as soft or sentimental or weak, or let's just keep that in philosophy, but this is policing. You know? <laughs> this is the military. You know? uh, yeah. And we've been able to make that connection. Um, but one of the bridges for that was an understanding of coherence. And so I guess, as, as you say, like policing and military, that's, you know, some serious stuff that you have to be switched on and really conscious and present. Yeah. So I guess that highlights the separation between coherence not being a state of relaxation. Is that correct? That's right. It's, it's not just relaxation. I mean, it is calm and it is balanced, but it's not just relaxation. You know, uh, some of your listeners may be aware of like, you know, the, the relaxation response. I mean, they look at, you know, sort of a trying to bring about a balance between the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. You know, the sympathetic is speeding everything up. Parasympathetic is slowing everything down. When we're highly stressed, that's all dysregulated. It's all over the place. When we're more relaxed, those systems become more sort of like a seesaw coming into balance. Coherence is even different than that. It's not just balancing those parts of the nervous system. It's bringing them into an alignment where the frequencies in that nervous system couple. They come together as one rather than seesawing. So yeah. bringing it together. So that's why it's a high-performance state. It's, it's really a very powerful place to operate from. So you know, most of us aren't policemen or we're not in the military, but we have lives that we have to make decisions in each and every day. And those decisions include many, many things, including our health. Of what should we do for our health or what should we not do? Uh, how should we interpret the latest report our doctor just gave us? <clears throat> how do we deal with an illness that we have? You know, so many health questions come up. 
So I was gonna start going to say um, one thing that's sort of coming to mind for me at the moment is I sort of talk with my clients a lot about from a nutritional standpoint about the concept of intuitive eating and uh, that for the most part and for most people with where they're at on their journey, intuitive eating is actually a really bad idea because they've conditioned their taste buds, their emotions and their microbiome to go towards a particular set of foods which are often unfavorable. Now to sort of bring this around to the heart math thing, yeah. with, as you said, people are living their lives they're really busy they're constantly stressed and they're probably so unfamiliar with a state of either relaxation or coherence so i'm wondering is it the same you know how does somebody know when they're in coherence or how does somebody get to coherence if it's such an unfamiliar and unsafe place because they're they're never in it you know and in the same way that intuitive eating leads people to eat the wrong foods if they get to that place of coherence maybe it's so unfamiliar that they you know just want to go back to a stressed state well, it's a great question. Um, when we talk about heart, we actually talk about heart intelligence. You mentioned I'm one of the authors of the book, Heart Intelligence. We talk about this wonderful, beautiful, intuitive intelligence that we have inside that we were born with, that is there. It can be developed, it can be expanded upon, but it's a natural part of who we truly are as human beings. Uh, we have more of it when we're younger. The older we get, a lot of times we lose it. We start living from the neck up and we live life through the roar of ambition and survival and competition and all these various things that come about. And we, we sort of lose connection. That's the bad news. The good news is, is the road home is not as long as it might seem. <laughs> you can return to that place inside yourself and then you really get true intuition. Intuition sometimes uh, speaks loudly and these big ahas that we have. And sometimes it's a very soft whisper. And it's giving a subtle direction over what to do. It becomes a matter of learning how to listen to that more and then learn to experiment with it yourself and learn to trust it. But one of the keys in trusting it is this. It's not always going to please your personality. It's not always what you're going to you would like to hear when you hear the heart whisper, don't eat that second piece of cake. You know, <laughs> uh, it's, it's got to be something that you learn to respect and attune to. And again, heart math tools, techniques, and technology all lend themselves to that sort of thing. So intuitive eating is a great idea, but you have to let that be guided from a real, another level of maturity, another level that we all have inside, too, of our own nobility, our own dignity and maturity that we'll know what we should do and not do and not just be pulled by the, the same old, same old patterns that have been, we've been ingrained with. With a little practice, that changes. You mentioned diet. I can say today that um, my diet's very different than it was, let's say, 20, 30 years ago. And yes, I, I'm conscious of what I'm eating, and I've gone through lots of various looks at diet and ways in which to approach what I eat. Many of the foods I used to like have no appeal to me today. And it's not because of a discipline. It's because they just don't, they're not appealing. <laughs> My appetite has changed. You know, uh, I don't have the pull for it anymore, right? And it's not like because I did this big Herculean piece of work and just muscle my way through not wanting to eat something. <laughs> it's it happened naturally. Willpower definitely runs out. <laughs> yeah, willpower just doesn't get it after a while. And finally, has to be some heart power put in there before you ever really get to where you can make a complete circuit on that. But over time, uh, my diet preferences have changed in a natural way that are more healthy. 
But let me bring in another subject, if I may, Maddie, um, about health. Yeah, of course. One of the things, and I was thinking about our, our time together today, what would I talk about? You know, what, what are, Maddie, I got to talk about for 30 or 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I thought about well, what would I say about health? If people listen to this show in order to improve their health or in order to not get sick, um, what would be the best thing I could tell them? And here's, here's the point I'm going to make. Diet is important. What we put in our bodies has to be considered. Exercise, that's important as well. Um, but the main contributor, I think, to wellness is actually what I will now call our emotional diet. I like it. It's the, the emotions that are running through our system all the time. Some of them we're conscious of. Some of them are running just below the surface of, of being conscious, not subconscious, but they're there. But they just kind of run behind the scenes. And emotion has so much to do with our health. When we have a diet of emotions like constant complaining, anger, frustration, resentment, judgment, blame, those type of emotions, that's impacting our bodies more so than people realize. And that's an emotional diet. We're choosing to eat that diet. Uh, conversely, if we're experiencing more appreciation for life, more care for others, more kindness, more compassion, love coming through our system, there's an opposite effect that occurs in the body. The, the negative emotions drain us. They debilitate us. They rob us of the quality of life. They throw off hormonal balance. They compromise our immune system. Um, they really have a lot to do with how, how healthy we stay. Conversely, those other emotions I mentioned regenerate us. And we know this. We can measure this hormonally. We know that you know anger and frustration produce high levels of cortisol and adrenaline. Too much of those hormones is really unhealthy. We also know that experiencing feelings like appreciation, care, love, and compassion actually produce more DHEA, more oxytocin. Uh, they improve the immune system in uh, an area of the body called uh, salivary IgA. All these things are enhanced through positive emotional states. We've measured this stuff. We know this is an actual fact. So the emotional diet is real. Yeah. It's a great analogy, you know, but I could decide right now that, you know, um, you see that we have the right to choose whatever emotions we want. Yeah, we're going to have emotional reactions. That's part of life. We can also choose what we do next and what we do next. And those emotional choices add up over time. Now, nobody should suppress emotions, and I'm not saying you should. I'm saying you can become more conscious of what you're feeling and why. But I can make a choice right now going back to the, to the physical diet and say that I'm going to decide right now, Maddie, that I'm going to go on the chocolate cake diet, that I'm only going to eat chocolate cake for the next week. And you can't stop me because <laughs> I'm a grown man and I can eat what I want and I got a right to eat what I want. I'll be here when you get back. <laughs> right, exactly. So if I did that, what would my body do? It would react. Totally. Very quickly, my body would have a, a, a strong reaction to only eating chocolate cake. Um, the same is true with the emotional diet. I've got a right to be mad. This politician shouldn't have done that, or this person at work shouldn't have said that to me, or this guy in traffic should be driving better, or whatever we decide. And we got a right to get angry, mad, frustrated, irritated, all those things. And you do. You got a right to that. Your body's going to respond. It doesn't even care if you're right. <laughs> It doesn't care if that driver in front of you was driving recklessly. That reaction in your body produces the same hormonal response and the same you know, overall physiological response, no matter whether you're right or not. So the best way to get well and stay well is to take a look at regulating emotions better, at learning to make emotional choices that are going to be more regenerative. Um, 
And it's simple stuff. It's like I can wake up every morning and complain about the things in my life that I don't think are right. I can spend a lot of time in that place. Or I can wake up, intercept those emotions, and decide, wait a minute, there's so many good things about my life. Let me appreciate those instead. Let me shift that emotion towards appreciation. That emotional energy does not have to be assigned to complaining. I can shift it. Yeah. And in doing so, I've done a lot for my health. Um, I'm a fortunate person. Um, I am now almost 72 years old. I would not have guessed that, Um, (laughs) honestly. I am vital. I have had no serious health problems. I'm an avid cyclist. Wow. I do all this other stuff uh, that most people by now could never even imagine yeah. doing. And I have no signs of illness. I just had a physical about a month ago. Every blood test they gave me came back with everything in the normal range. Amazing. At 72. Now, yeah, I pay attention to what I eat, and I do the cycling and other exercise. So I got diet and exercise going on. But if I look at what I think is creating the health in me, giving me more longevity, it's the ability to make emotional choices that are more uplifting. Yeah, absolutely. And if I'm, if anybody listening today can take a look at that in their life and say, this is one way I can, this is something I can do. This goes beyond what doctors, this goes beyond drugs, this goes beyond those other things. I can learn to have a better attitude about things. I can learn to make better emotional choices. In doing so, there's a a good chance the health will improve. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook, And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. Absolutely. And I mean, I've seen some of the data that you guys have produced um, over there and the, the emotions you mentioned before that produce adrenaline and cortisol, you know, the anger, resentment, frustration, you know, mm-hmm. irrelevant of if you're right or wrong, those hormones are in the blood doing the damage at excessive right. volumes. But on a graph, those emotions produce, imagine for the listeners, imagine your child's just got a piece of uh, a texter and scribbling on the wall. So the graph just looks like chaos on one side, really jagged edges all over the place disorganized but when the transition happens into that love positivity connection gratefulness appreciation it moves into this this coherence or that is the word the the wave that is just perfectly smooth and that's when all the systems start aligning is that right 
That's right. You're actually describing, you know, verbally now the the most visual heart math icon graph there is. There's, there's hundreds of thousands of publications that have this graph in it now. It's anger, uh, frustration versus appreciation, and it's looking at, it's showing a picture of the heart rhythms. Heart rhythms are yeah. reflective of coherence. When when we measure someone experiencing frustration, the heart rhythm is so chaotic. They look like your kid scribbling on the wall, as you said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you make that shift into a, something like appreciation, love, or care, the rhythms look like a sine wave, smooth and ordered. The jagged ones mean the whole body is like out of sync. The smooth and ordered ones mean the body is synchronized, it's working in harmony. One of these is healthy, one of them is not. It's pretty simple. (laughs) And uh, that's the way it works. So is... Is there a sort of roots from from the heart math idea in breath work and meditation? Is that where it gets its roots from or its inspiration? Well, I wouldn't say specifically those two things. When I go back now, I've been doing this a long time. Uh, Doc Shouldery is the man who founded heart math. Doc has been my friend and a lot more, you know, since we were in our early 20s. So we're in our 70s now. So 50 years, you know, wow. doing this stuff in one way or another. And so, yeah, we touched base with all of everything we could along the way, Doc and myself and others. You know, it wasn't just me and Doc, but, um, but we tried lots of different practices. So, yeah, it was born from a self-improvement um Interest. It was born from an expansion, more of a spiritual interest. It led to science and mainstream and all those different things. But it was us saying, "Look, how can we be better people? You know, what can we learn? What can we read? What can we practice?" And so, yeah, I've been on lots of different health stuff in those years. I've been on like the the no meat diet, the no sugar diet, the no salt diet, the no uh, the no coffee diet, the no soft drink diet, the no anything diet, the no food diet. You know, I've been on all of them (laughs) (laughs) along the way. And they were all helpful and they had a place in my life. But over time, it's just become a situation for me where I can maintain a high level of health and and not have to have quite as much of that stuff going on. In other words, I paid my dues. And so yeah, I have yeah. a more balanced approach to it all, but it doesn't mean that anybody doing those things, that that's wrong. It's different things at different times in your life. And that's where the intuition comes in. I was a vegetarian for 15 years, mm-hmm. a real one. Back then, the term vegan wasn't out, so I don't know if I was a vegan or not, but I was a vegetarian. <laughs> I didn't eat any meat. I did it for 15 years, and then my heart's intuition said, you maybe need to start integrating some more you know, animal-based protein back into your diet, right? Now, when that first came up, that was the last thing I wanted to do. I didn't want to eat any meat. It was gross to me. It was like, who wants to do this? I don't want to mess with that. But as the feeling persisted, I began to experiment with that. And so it was really not that I finally got to a point after 15 years where I said, enough's enough. I'm going to go eat a hamburger. You know, <laughs> it, was <not> really, <laughs> it wasn't that at all. It was kind of like, it's now time to change your diet, son. And How so was that first hamburger? <laughs> it was actually a hot dog and it was horrible. Oh, yeah, fair enough if it was a hot dog. <laughs> the funny story, and I've never told this publicly on a, on a program like this. I was riding down the street. We were, Doc, Doc and I were out in here in California. We lived in North Carolina at the time. We were out here visiting California. And we were riding down the street in the car, and Doc very casually, just in exactly the right t- tone of voice, the ordinary kind of tone, says, what would you like for lunch today? Of course, he already knows what my response is going to be. My response is going to be, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Really care, right? As soon as I said that, he timed it perfectly. He slams on the brakes and takes a right hand turn into a wiener king. <laughs> and hot dog stand. 
<laughs> What's this? He timed it up. He said, you said you didn't care. <laughs> I said, wait a minute. We're not going to eat a hot dog. Are you kidding me? He goes, no, we're going to get a hot dog right now. And I went, Doc, I can't eat a hot dog, man. He says, you know, give it a try. You know, I said, it'll gross me out. I don't think I can eat a hot dog. He says, look, just give it a shot. I know you've been thinking about stuff like that. So we went and we got, a, we both got a hot dog and we ate that hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was okay you know i made it through the hot dog and it was all right but the point of the story really is to say that at different times in your life you'll have different uh, physical needs and so if somebody right now will listen to us is fasting right now for example don't just give up your fast that's something your own heart probably prompted you to do you know, continue with what makes sense to you, what feels right to you. Make those choices based upon your you know, your own deeper connection to your own heart and its intuitive guidance. And then just follow that flow. And um, it'll lead you to the right foods and the right situations. But that's important. But the emotional diet is just as important, if not more so important, in terms of how well we stay. I would, I would say that it's more important because for two reasons. One, because irrelevant of the diet we're on, we're still experiencing those emotions. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the things that we do in the sort of, let's say, the outside world is sort of exterior to our body. You know, that... That can change on the day-to-day. We, we can still have those frustrating situations and those emotions and eat different foods. But the heart's pumping 24-7, right? It's, we're right. not eating 24-7. We're not in a diet 24-7. So I think, yeah, the, the, emotional, the emotions and the hormones that the yeah. emotions lead to are always in the blood. So um, I think, yeah, I totally agree with you. And, and those emotions often dictate the food choices that we make because you know yeah. we're stressed or triggered or unhappy or beating ourselves up or whatever it might be. Be. And I think the beautiful thing about heart math is that you can really implement it in minutes, like even under a minute, if you're really, you know, really getting really good at it. Yeah, well, there's a obviously there's a term you're well aware of, Matt. You call it emotional eating, you know, where people <laughs> eat emotionally. It's emotional support in a certain way, and uh, there's yeah. a little program. It's a very simple program. It's not a big deal product for us or anything. But there's a little program you can see it on the HeartMath.com website called Stopping Stopping Emotional Eating. It's something that we did years ago. And, you know, people have had success with that. It's not like a diet program and all that. It's just, just uh, you know, helping people deal with that one aspect of making dietary change. Um, because I get it. You know, life is tough right now. And we're living in a very challenging time in human history. It's full of great opportunity. It's not all a challenge. It's, it's a momentous opportunity taking place in the world. Yeah that we live in today but it can be hard at times and you think about things like COVID you know and how shut off we've been and how we've been you know in a different life and now in some places like here and I've seen Australia we're beginning to re-emerge now and re-emerge back into what right and the world's different than the one we left 2019 ain't coming back right it's gone nope. <laughs> and, uh, so we're going in a different direction now and we've got many many choices to make and all that you know we have adds up we have our personal issues and challenges the societal challenges and the global challenges and so it can be hard so with all that going on people do get stressed out and they look for comfort wherever they can find it and i'm not judging them for it and some sometimes that's food you know, sometimes Absolutely. it's what people need. But when you develop more of your own heart security, then making dietary changes is easier. And, you know, it's not as pulled through the emotion, emotional choices around diet. So I have compassion for people and what people are going through. Um, I think that 
there's this great opportunity now to become something new and better and different than ever before. And it can take a little work. It can take letting go of some things, including mm. uh, some dietary um, choices that we have or dietary preferences we have. All that's a part of the game. But if we keep moving forward, keep on the right track, a lot can change. And that includes our health. And the, the last thing I would say about health in our conversation is that, you know, there's no guarantees anybody gets healed from anything. Um, the reasons that we're sick a lot of times are very complex. Mm, and the way I look at it is that at the very least, if you consult and listen to and follow the directions of your heart, you can learn to make peace easier with whatever is going on. I think there's some very great advice there. There's no guarantees. I could walk out, I could stand up from my desk right now and keel, keel over on the floor, right? And there could be a lot of reasons for that. So there's no Please guarantee. Don't. For me. No, I won't, <laughs> but there's no guarantee, I'm saying, that I am going to stay in perfect health. But what I do believe is that, you know, when my health does begin to decline at some point in my life, then I'm better equipped to be able to make peace with that, to deal mm-hmm. with it and to continue to have a quality life uh, regardless. And so that's my hope for people, whoever's listening to the program now, is that if you're having a health challenge, you know, first of all, compassion to you, bless your heart, and uh, know that you have something inside that can help make that ride a little easier for you and allow you to make more peace with whatever you're dealing with. Yeah, I think that's some, yeah, really great advice and and really touching. Um, And and I'm curious too, so people that uh, are listening can get in touch with you or HeartMath or access this emotional eating um, program that you have, where can they find HeartMath online? Go to HeartMath.com. And I will tell people about one thing. This is not a sales pitch because it's just free. <laughs> uh, you mentioned it in my <laughs> intro. I was one of the producers of something called the Heart Math Experience, uh, released in early 2020. And it's a beautiful video-based learning program. It's like it's divided into to uh, six modules. So, you, and it teaches Heart Math science, tools, techniques, all of that. But it, we we created it so it looked like you're watching a movie. It's very beautiful. It's cinematic. It's it's a wonderful. Amazing. visual experience and yet it teaches you at the same time uh, we were selling it when we first released it the pandemic showed up uh, Doc our founder again said look we got to do something for people they need an uplifting spirit right now I want you to, to give away the heart math experience so we started giving it away we said okay you can have this for free we went to a lot of our associates other organizations other authors and speakers and people that are you know that are friends of ours they all put it out to their list etc and very very quickly like 100,000 people had downloaded the activation key <laughs> So at the end of the day, like probably half a million people have watched this thing, right? And so it's on the heartmath.com website. Look for the heartmath experience. And all you do is you put in your name and your email address and you get access to it. You got access to it for life. And so people listening today, I don't want to leave them with, oh, this is great. It sounded interesting. There's something you can actually do. You can get the heartmath experience and you can learn a lot from that. Uh, yeah, that's, that's amazing. To you for that. That's something that we've we've decided that we're never going to charge for. We just put it out to the world and just say, okay, world, you can have this. We want to help. And so we've made it a free offering for everybody, and you can go get that. Oh, that's so brilliant. Yeah, and so you know, you'll learn a lot from it, and we benefit in the long run. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Howard. Oh, yeah, sure. It's just something I love to give as a gift. I I'm a, I call myself sometimes a reluctant businessman. You know, I have an executive role <laughs> here in addition to being a you know public figure. I have this executive role. And 
I've had to do it because that's what's necessary for the business and for the mission and all that we do. And so I'm, I do it and I do it without regret or without complaint. But if I could have my way, I'd never have to sell anything again the rest of my life. I'd give everything away. (laughs) I'd like to be the ultimate. Oh, that's amazing. The ultimate skinny Santa Claus. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's so great, Howard. But that's that's something everybody listening now can go get. The HeartMath Experience, find it on HeartMath.com. There's lots of other stuff there as well. There's a whole world and universe of HeartMath that you can tap into. and we just been able to talk about a little of it today with Matt, time that Manny and I have had together. But there's a, a huge body of work. Uh, one example would be if you're into science, there are over 400 peer-reviewed research papers on HeartMath now. Yeah, well, wow. Published peer-reviewed research papers. There's over 10,000 sightings of HeartMath research and other research literature. If you go to the HeartMath.org website, you find all that science. If you want, get, if you want to get into science, go there, click on the research tab, and you'll stay busy for a really long time. So, in other words, <laughs> there's a, a world of HeartMath. If you, this has interested you at all, you can explore, and it's not hard to do it. HeartMath.com or HeartMath.org will lead you into all that's available for every age. We have stuff for kids and children. It just goes on and on. Uh, huge body of work we've done here. Yeah, amazing. Oh, and for everybody listening, I will put those links down below in the show notes. So just scroll down and click on any of those that you resonate with. Uh, and if you've enjoyed this episode, of course, or you know anyone that can get any benefit, please share this episode, take a screenshot, put it in your social media story, get the word out there because Howard's doing. Howard and his team are doing really, really good work. So uh, Howard, to finish up, I'd just like to ask one question. Of all the different things that we've been talking about, what is one piece of health information that you wish more people knew about let me think about that real quick um i think the most important thing is is what i said earlier that is that you know your emotions are dictating a lot of what happens inside your body and therefore your health Mm -hmm. Um, learn to better regulate your emotions and you'll see improved health outcomes amazing Thanks for so much for being on the show, Howard. I'm really, really grateful for your time and your energy. Uh, and I think a lot of people are going to benefit from this episode. So thank you so much. Right. Well, thank you. And thank everybody who's been listening and watching for your time and your attention. I honor that and I appreciate that. And just please take care of yourself and, and especially uh, take care of each other. Thanks, Howard. We'll see you later. All right. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use, and we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much, and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.